July 4th is not only the day Americans typically celebrate their nation's independence, but also an important barometer for freight volumes moving into the summer months. Typically, volumes rise ahead of July 4th, then stabilize until the Labor Day weekend, where back to school drives consumer spending and hopefully higher freight volumes. But what does the current data tell us? And did the freight market secure some freedom from its current recession? Well, folks, we're going to find out in this episode of Loaded and Rolled. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. Freight drives the economy, quite literally. And the current environment has been more stressful for trucking companies than the lingering smell of burning Canadian boreal forests. But for carriers and brokers wondering if things will get better, the devil lies in the details. The details we'll be examining today come from ELD provider and transportation management company Motive, who recently released their July economic report which highlights retail and freight activity leading up to and following the July 4th weekend. Joining me to talk about this new data and what it means for freight is Hamish Woodrow, data scientist and head of strategic analytics at Modin. Hamish has over a decade plus of engineering and data science experience, from energy transportation to even predicting Airbnb rental prices. Hamish, welcome, sir. Pleasure to have you on. A pleasure to be on as well. Thanks, Thomas. Was there anything from Airbnb that you got to study that was really cool that you found out before we dive into the freight? I, I think there were some interesting trends back in the day in terms of how to price your own um, your your own Airbnb rental. You know, I think there was a lot of opportunity back then when I was looking at it probably five years ago to uh, to really like optimize how much money you made during peak seasons. Um, but uh, it's probably a pretty different story just now. Uh, I'm glad I never got into that. I was. Too busy trying to figure out how to uh, to hustle freight. I came from trucking, so it's fun to talk about and bring you on as well because looking at the economics of it, uh, July 4th is kind of one of the, the little tent poles in our summer of, uh, of freight, and this one was really cool. I'm pulling it up here. Uh, the first one was the ramp up for big box retail visits. I snagged the graphics as well, and uh, we're looking at an unexpected surge. Tell us a little bit about what this data is saying. Yeah, so just to give a bit of context on where we're coming from. So, you know, we have IoT devices in hundreds of thousands of trucks uh, around North America. And so we're, what we're monitoring here is visits to those uh, retail distribution facilities. So, you know, we, we have a great, um, you know, proportion of vehicles in North America in our network. And so we're able to see what's happening at these distribution centers for some of the largest or the top 50 retailers in North America. And so what we saw coming into this period is that uh, it was a pretty muted ramp up through from Memorial Day to um, to July Fourth in terms of the number of trucks going into these facilities, the number of uh, loads basically getting deposited um, in these distribution facilities. Um, but what we saw interestingly uh, is that the typically we see the second to last week before the Fourth of July is the peak um, the peak time when the truck the most visiting these facilities. What we saw is this move to um, the, the week just before the Fourth of July. And so we saw a big jump, about a 3.9% jump uh, week over week in that final week. And so that compares quite differently to what we saw in 2021, what we saw in 2022. It is similar to a trend we saw in uh, the Christmas season last year in, in December 2022, 
where retailers were waiting much later to bring in uh, inventory to their facilities. And I think what you're seeing through this data is just a complete change in inventory management. Right now, you don't want to be holding a lot of inventory. A lot of um, retailers have been trying to drive down inventory. And because overall, we have much more capacity in the freight market so you can get things to uh, the points of sale, to distribution facilities quicker than you were in previous years, you're seeing a wait and see approach from these retailers. Like they're really waiting till the last minute as close to the point, uh, as close as possible to when the demand actually happens, be predicting what they bring into the industry. So there's a lot of risk aversion right now happening. I think that's pretty fascinating because we see that in sometimes how they send the loads in advance, how often they'll tender to carriers. So right now, if I'm a retailer, I can basically just find trucks whenever I want. There's no, I don't need to keep it in the warehouse and pay the extra costs, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's such a change from, you know, we've gone through a roller coaster of a couple of years here where uh, especially these inventory managers, these demand managers are, are like had a, a big problem. Right now, what, where's the risk? It's uh, over predicting demand, getting stuck with a lot of inventory. And you see that from a lot of retailers, the public filings, you know, Target over the last year, for example, dropped the inventories by 15%. You know, the discretionary inventories went down 25%. They were really trying to drive down inventory. And um, and I think that that's a, just a trend that we're seeing right now. And, and there's a lot of risk aversion. So the freight market overall having more capacity and being much, um, uh, or being able to be much leaner than it, than it has in the last two years is just helping these, uh, these individuals who are planning out, planning out demand to just try and do it at the last minute. Because the last thing you want to get caught up is increasing your inventories and then um, sharing that out. I think that's really cool because we have another one that you all used, normalized daily visits, the big box retails compared to the six-week ramp up. And that kind of that really blows my mind, illustrating the fact that uh, we would see a lot more in 2021. And now in 2023, this kind of behavior is, is amazing. It's almost like a, a double or at least by half, it feels like, than what we typically saw during yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, and I think like that's probably the story. Although uh, we're seeing this kind of change in behavior, the overall volumes are far uh, significantly lower than what they were in, in previous years. So we saw, um, you know, we're down fourteen percent approximately from twenty twenty two, but we're down thirty percent in terms of the number of trucks visits going into uh, these facilities, these distribution facilities from twenty twenty one. So we are definitely seeing a lot less volume going in. We see a lot less shipments going into these facilities, and I think that's just. You know, you just need to look at uh, what, what's being published um, every month with the inventory to sales ratios. They've been generally climbing um, for most retailers. Some retailers have been pretty good at like bringing down inventory levels, but they're also um, this risk of uh, waning demand as we go into H2. And so, again, even if you're trying to bring down inventories, you're not, you're not incentivized to bring in a lot of inventory right now. You're not trying to restock. So I think that that's generally what we're seeing. Visits in general to these facilities are far down the previous two years, more in line with what we were kind of seeing in 2019. And then um, we're just seeing that uh, there's a lot more um, emphasis on a lean supply chain. You know, these these demand planners back in 21, 22, they were getting penalized because they didn't have enough on the shelf. We weren't able to get stuff. Uh, We had to wait six weeks, eight weeks for delivery on on things. Now that's not the same problem. And what they're worried about is ending up too much inventory, ending up with uh, misforecasting demand. It's a really difficult forecasting exercise right now. For the, these individuals, so like they're just definitely going for a risk averse, waiting for the last minute, and probably compromise a little bit on uh, on on not having inventory in certain categories. I wonder if it reminds me of the just in time situation. You know, the lean just in time yeah. delivery because uh, it felt like the folks who typically use it were going back to that now that truckload capacity is just so plentiful. 
Yeah, and, and I think you, you see that also, like, where's the biggest part from, like, looking at, like, logistic managers index and everything? It's on the inventory side. So, like, this is where they're trying to continue to contract the inventories. Uh, and the best way to do that is is not be bringing stuff in for, like, weeks and weeks in advance and having it sit in inventory. And, and especially with, um, you know, pretty big changes in, in the way that the consumer is spending that we're seeing. Um, it is, it's also more difficult to know what categories you should be restocking. So... I think that that's what we've um, we've been witnessing a lot, and um, I mean it's kind of crazy, right? Again, for the, the for all the demand planners, inventory managers, such a change from from two years ago, where you just couldn't couldn't get your stuff into facilities; they were waiting waiting to get shipped in. And I, I think now we're just in a very different paradigm. I think it's cool looking at your data methodology. I, I pulled that out as well. Over one hundred twenty thousand customers, and then the technology motives technologies embedded more than twenty percent for four hire trucks in North America. So that's a treasure trove of telematics as well as uh, information on how long they're sitting. Was there anything interesting? I know they're sending things last minute. Uh, was there any data or any inkling if it meant that drivers were waiting longer in the geofence, even though it was last minute? Or is it generally because I don't have as much inventory, maybe I can actually load you quicker and we're seeing less time spent within those geofences? Yeah, so like we we track detention periods in facilities. So we look at facilities, we look at everything going in, um, the trucks visiting them, I, but we also look at how long they're spending there. In general, we're seeing we've seen a, a slight improvement, um, but it's not universal. Like you're going to see certain big box retailers being very efficient in that in getting their um, their uh, trucks out uh, as quickly as possible. But in general, you some see others that are more struggling on this side of uh, where the detention periods have gone up slightly. So in general, we see actually a pretty large diversity in terms of uh, of how these uh, these have improved. But on aggregate, we're seeing some improvement in detention periods. I think, you know, like if we think back to some periods in, previ- in the previous two years, you had such a um, uh, radical amount of uh, increase month over month in, in, in the number of uh, trucks going into these facilities. You know, we saw some... Some of these distribution facilities getting twofold the normal increase of trucks during the same time period. And so they coping with that amount of volume was very difficult. In general, you saw a lot of investment in increasing warehousing capacity, increasing uh, facility sizes during this period of time. They're kind of more to the underutilized side right now. And so that's why on aggregate, we're seeing improvement. But again, it's not universal across every carrier. It really depends on how you're managing it. Oh, sorry, every distribution distributor, it depends a little bit on how you're managing and also what they are emphasizing this period of time. And I think uh, we have a big box retail index as well, which highlights that. Trucks visiting the top 50 retail distribution centers and 2023 is the dark line at the bottom. So similar to the other two charts that we were looking at, and it is definitely uh, a return to a form of normalcy. But I do wonder, because from my experiences with DCs, uh, grocery distributors have a hard time, even in the best or worst times. Uh, you know, sometimes large retail, your uh, multi, like, uh, what are the different brands? I don't want to throw a specific customer name out, but, you know, yeah. you sell everything from soap to, uh, you know, consumer goods. I-, I wonder if there's any winners and losers in the data sets or if it's clustered to a point where you could see which DCs appear to be outperforming and if it's based on their own processes or if it's based on, like, we see this bottom number, it's just less people showing up. Yeah, so I think in general, uh, we're seeing across the whole top 50 uh, retail index, like uh, decreases in volumes. Obviously, you're going to have some nerds in there who are seeing increases. But in general, we're seeing overall muted, muted volumes coming into these facilities. Um, and, you know, I think uh, 
we try not to also go too deep into individual um, retailers uh, for, for, for kind of obvious reasons. But when we look at it in general, obviously the ones that show most strength are those that um, have a more diversification outside of uh, discretionary spending. So more your staples, more things that, uh, the you know, and you can see this in, in how consumer spending right now, uh, the things that will stay the course in essence, uh, even if we see a downturn. Um, so we're definitely seeing uh, some strength in, in retailers that just have a, a bit more diversification outside of uh, discretionary spending. Um, and so th- that's probably the one area of strength that we're kind of seeing. I'm excited with these data sets because I remember we'd see, when I came from a very large asset carry, we would see traditional surges. Like uh, like we had a customer, Walmart would surge and reposition equipment in advance, uh, front load them to stores. But, but having that point that certain certain customers are exposed differently. I do wonder if the ones who are like CPG and snack are doing a lot better than let's say I'm making fridges and lawnmowers because fed rates are higher. Or maybe I don't need that new fridge, but I'll still eat my potato chips. Yeah. I think that that's, it's, I think you're definitely on the right tracks in terms of where, where you're thinking that in terms of what's going to be strong during this period. I think the, you know, the large purchases we've even seen from, from kind of overall public data, are not are not happening, you know. I think that there, there's some interesting points coming up over the next few months. I think the back oh, overall back to school season is going to be interesting. There's a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of noise right now, and it makes it, it kind of hard uh, from you know what what the Fed's publishing, what what you see in different economic reports. Um, it's kind of hard to know exactly how H two is going to trend. So we have some some milestones and signposts on our own calendar for looking at exactly how um, how freight is moving in the uh, in North America. Um, but I think it's, I think we are going to see certain area categories can remain strong. I think though, we'll probably see some weakening categories, uh, also coming up as we go into H2. It feels like a tale of two cities. I'm, I'm curious because this data is amazing. Having, I, I feel like having the ability as well for a future report, separating by carrier size, a larger carrier may have their own trailers. They can afford three. We'll see the pre because a lot of folks I talk to in trucking, when we look at this data and they're wondering how carriers are doing, well, it just kind of depends. Are you waiting at this DC for them to load your trailer and you have to deal with them? Or are you simply picking one up and they could have taken five days to do it and it just kind of gets put under the rug but the the geofence data will pick that up because you're in and out with the preload versus a two and a half four hour you know live load yeah uh and uh, like uh, on that side like it's one of the great things of being here this sort of data so far upstream in, in kind of our supply chain gives and also we're like so many trucks all, uh, across a lot of different industries you know we have everything spanning from industry uh, from oil and gas to manufacturing to what we're talking about here on retailers we're seeing a lot of different trends and so I think um, for me, it's a great, as a data practitioner, as an analyst in this space, I, I really enjoy playing with uh, the data and looking at it and, and trying to find trends and ultimately serve those back to customers. And that's, you know, ultimately that's one of the things that we're seeing is a big trend um, among like, you know, customers that we have prospects. It's just visibility. Like visibility is so key right now in terms of where are your assets? How are they getting utilized? Uh, how efficiently am I running my business? Um and just that overall visibility and how, you know, uh, products like we have can, can enable that. That's a big trend right now because at the end, that's what your CFOs are going to be pressured for is like how efficiently are you using your assets? How efficiently are you using your cash? How's your operating ratios? So um, that sort of insights, including the facilities uh, side, is, is one of the reasons also we, we invest quite a bit of time trying to delve into our, our data across 120,000 customers and come up with insights that can kind of help our 
athletes also better better navigate this uh, this period of time through 2023. I, I like that idea because when I was at a large care, it was funny was they made geofences, but it was a homebrew TMS. So like when I was at US Express, you know, you'd have 2,500 trucks on an OTR side that would use uh, customer geofences for EDI transactions. But the problem became that if you uh, the customer reps would actually make the same geofence and it took them about six weeks one time to just go through and compile all the geofences into one agreed upon one because people would just make a new geofence and then you could never tell how good things were going and it was so frustrating. Is that kind of the opportunity you're offering for fleets? I've used the, the Motive platform at my old startup. Is that kind of this opportunity where you can get actually yeah. better insights compared to having to manually drill your own and figure it out? I think that there's a lot to be said in, in the how like um, sort of suppliers like us we see such a wide swathe of like vehicle types uh, of distribution facilities, new ones popping up uh, all the time. Just because of the size of our network, we we typically have so many more vehicles in our in our network compared to any other carrier out, uh, or the majority of carriers out there. So the insights such as uh, auto geofence uh, creations or um, you know even safety insights and how how your drivers perform on the safety side versus all drivers and our network in North America, these sort of, uh, and we do that through our drive scores, those things like we can develop at an aggregate level because we just have such a wide range of customers, vehicle types, trailer types, um, and we can solve problems, um, seeing everything that's happening in different companies, companies that apply better practice that influence our product, as well as seeing how we can automate certain processes that take a huge amount of time for every single company. And the same problem is, is evident across almost every single company, you'll see uh, commonality in those problems. And what we can do is just focus our efforts on single problems, solve them for one customer possibly, and then solve them for all the customers at the same time that are in our network. Because, you know, even at, I think in times like this, where there's a huge amount of uncertainty, the industry went from, you know, $5.78 last year uh, in 2022 on diesel prices to whatever, 380, uh, $380 just now. You'll see these massive swings in in uh in diesel and so like how we can help that is like um manageably better manage it more efficiently think about fuel develop products centrally rather than these companies now needing to develop internal solutions always to solve the problem that is a common problem across oh it's really cool because in the lean market carriers are going to try to save time uh, i feel like i gotta get y'all in touch with dr crow with mit they did so one of their researches, they took aggregated ELD data to find out that on average, drivers only drove about six and a half hours a day. And a driver has 11 hours of time they could theoretically drive, pending other things. Uh, and so I think that's fascinating because with your software and your telematics, you're able to give fleets this opportunity that eventually, maybe I'm going from point Atlanta to Chicago. Here's on average carriers that ran this lane averaged in transit. And here's how my drivers are doing. It opens up things like scorecards when before it was just I'm just lucky to book freight or in the past two years, I could book any freight. I didn't care about being efficient, like running my business. I just threw money at a wall. I could make money. Yeah. And I actually, it's a, it's a really good point, especially, you know, like right now you hear a lot about AI, you're hearing a lot about, like, uh, you know, how machine learning models are being applied across businesses. The biggest problem that most businesses will face is a lack of good quality data. You know, it's very hard for you internally to build solutions generally because uh, you don't have enough data or it's very, um, isolated you know sometimes you'll see it in fleets that they have a high concentration of certain types of vehicles when they try and bring in new vehicles like that's hard because it's a new data set you have very low sample size so actually building really good robust models is is very complicated but 
it's a look to our benefit because we have a network that is, you know, we have 700,000 plus assets and vehicles in our, in our network. We can really see everything that's happening and build uh, pretty good models happening across, you know, million plus drivers. We can really look at what's happening in this, uh, across your network, across all the big problems, you know, like efficiency, safety, compliance. These are things that we can build out and build, um, you know, apply uh, good machine learning techniques to and actually make it um, helpful for fleet managers. I think that's where, like, I see a lot, um, a good trend that we can actually help in in the industry, but also uh, across, like, how tech can be applied. It's like, we, we're probably at this uh, this point where we can really deploy algorithms and, um, and AI to actually really assist those managing fleets to do a much better job at things that typically take a long time or very difficult or near impossible to get at. And that's everything from, you know, how our dashboards can really help you um, uh, understand driver behavior, understand coaching habits, how our drive score is used to, to assess, um, you know, where, um, you know, how, how, how good the driver's uh, quality of driving, especially for newer drivers entering fleets, uh, which is always a, uh, always a difficult one. We can really like help there because we have the access to the data. And, um, and, you know, even like more recently with spend management, you know, like we, we have a spend management platform that helps uh, with fuel purchasing and uh, predominantly just now, but overall um, uh, purchasing and maintenance through our, through our uh, cards. Um, that sort of data, we, we know the network of all um, sort of fuel up locations. We, we also know the compliance records uh, of, uh, of our customers. We know the hours of service to us, not how well they say, and we can uh, integrate all that to provide um, you know, suggestions about where, where, where drivers should stop, how they fuel up. And that can help everything from a lot of small customers become more efficient at saving more money as they drive, but also help large customers who find it very difficult to manage 2000 plus their drivers in one network and get the visibility. And, and that's really, I think actually that's, you know, building good tech is hard, but we're at this point where actually we can probably assist a lot in the, um, the optimization of fleets during this time, especially around, uh, how uncertain. And I think that's great because looking at, you know, circling back with the economic report, we know that on average, this, you know, fewer visits are going to DC. So if I'm in charge of that large 2,500 truck fleet, I know that it's not just me, it's everybody else. Because customers will lie and they'll say, I don't have anything to send. And then they'll send it to somebody else. And it's really, they're just getting a better deal down the routing guide. But I'm curious about the AI powered stuff because uh, large fleets with their homebrew, they used to have like driver tech systems and other ones, Omnicrom, Samsara. Uh, they would send the info to the driver and they would tell them exactly when to route. But I always felt like this was just arbitrary, which was this is X amount of closest place I can stop within route. And then drivers would just stop for the day. And they're like, oh, it's 3 p.m., whatever. So the new the new thing is to take all this data, use the algorithms and the modeling to say, on average, a driver who picked up from here and went here typically fueled here. Your stops are in this cluster. And if you go a little farther, then you can be more optimal you can like help walk them through their day now like a like a virtual assistant yeah and, and that uh, starts from the driver inspection reports at the start like and even things like helping like which drivers uh, need most help in finishing the inspection reports ensuring that you, you have full compliance on that side to um understanding understanding the routes and that's i think this is really the potential that you have is um how you integrate the solution there's different ways you can do it from suggestions to to full uh, full-on planning up front I think that's the exciting part. It's like, and there's going to be an interesting period of time over the next couple of years as you kind of see um, what I'm going to call like um, AI kind of assistance coming in and supporting your fleet. Um, and we do it today through, for example, our safety platform, which you'll 
uh, you know, automatically detect unsafe driving behavior. So uh, our cameras can detect, la uh, you know, lane changing at a uh, very high accuracy, change uh, uh, close proximity to vehicles in front. Driving behaviors that we know um, over time will lead to accidents. And, and so what we, we notice is that we can raise those to safety managers in the fleet we can help in, in identifying that you no longer need to look at a lot of video or wait for incidents to happen and then look at videos. You can really proactively go out and, and catch behaviors and change their trends and then track the, the uh, score through, um, through something like our drive score. And what, one of the things that also helps here is because we have a lot of fleets, we can benchmark you. I think one of the things that's hard is in managing large companies is how am I doing? Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we try and integrate into our product. It's also like how, uh, how you do relative towards, um, towards peers. And I think that that's like an area that yeah. you can have a lot more insight. Well, looking, looking forward to it. If folks want to run out of time here, but we're definitely have to have you on again, because yeah. I would love to have a chat bot, give a driver and coach them without me having to do it. There's a future here. Uh, <laughs> folks want to learn more about motive, find out or sign up for the report. What's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, so we publish it every month. You're going to see it on our blog uh, out there. And uh, so um, gomotive.com is the best place to, to generally find us. Perfect, Hamish. Thanks so much. Looking forward to seeing how it goes as well, as well as the tech. So we'll keep it an eye out. That's going to be a wrap for today. But don't fret. If you missed this, we'll be on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. And we have a newsletter, fretways.com slash loaded and rolling Thursdays at 2. That's a wrap. Catch you next week. Do it live.